Empire. The golf tournament no longer has one overriding narrative. We've cut over what, 1,500 to 2,000 uh, highlights, just unique snippets of strokes, and, and use that as the base case of saying, now we've integrated it into our website and app and our scorecard. So fans that follow particular players, they're getting instant highlights. That's Navin Singh, Chief Commercial Officer of the USGA, who's ready to give every fan everywhere whatever they want. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Twenty twenty continues its upside down year as the USGA held the US Women's Open last week in Texas, an event that typically is played in the summer. This year has been a struggle and it's had its own level of opportunity as well to craft new ways to give the locked up fans new ways to access what they want. And in the case of golf, there are so many stories to tell. Our guests this week are Navid Singh, the USGA's Chief Commercial Officer, and Shaka Arnon is the GM of WSC Sports North America. And WSC Sports makes personalized videos for every fan automatically. And in real time, it is really cool AI-driven uh, technology. Thank you both for being here. And, and Navid, it's specifically to you. We're taping on Thursday, December 10th. And the United States Women's Open in this odd year of 2020 is happening as we speak. So thank you for taking the time today. No, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Um, let me just ask you very quickly, generally, about the tour, since it is going on now and the U.S. Open would not be played at this time of year. Can you just kind of generally tell me what the year has been like from the USGA's point of view? Yeah, I think not unlike most other sports properties, the world turned upside down in March. And uh, whether it be the U.S. Open, which was originally scheduled for June, that moved to September or the Women's Open, which was uh, originally scheduled for May. And uh, as we said, is kicking off this uh, today. First ball has been in the air. Uh, it's definitely been an interesting year of challenges and opportunities as well. As you can imagine, when uh, we're living in a world where we're trying to um, respect social distancing and, and avoid mass gatherings, that means, as with more sports properties, we don't have fans on site. And it places an emphasis on being able to distribute content and create engagement with your fans offsite, wherever they are, whether that be at home or whether that be as they're out for a walk with their kids or their pets and, and thinking about how do we ensure that we keep uh, connection and cultivate the relationship with our fans, whether that be during the championship herself or the lead up associated with it or some great post uh, championship content afterwards. Could you tell me a little bit just about the decisions about delaying the tournaments? Um, obviously, golf was one of the first sports that had the ability to come back uh, without fans, obviously, but they had just by the nature of it's played outdoors and there can be social distancing that's automatically involved in the sport itself. So can you kind of take me through what the decision making was to wait on certain events? Yeah, at that point in time, for the entire sports world, you may recall, sports shut down and that included a uh, our two major properties, the Women's Open and Men's Open, in the May-June timeframe. It, it was a matter of, we were all living in a world where, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know, of how to conduct things safely, of how to mitigate any risk associated with the virus, and, and still be able to put on a major sporting event 
and uh, distribute that event to fans around the world and have fans locally engage in the best way possible. So uh, if you're thinking about back to whether it be baseball that delayed uh, their, their season, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, basketball that had a slight delay and then restart, same with the NHL, we were no different. Uh, we had to think through how to conduct our championship in the safest way possible for the players that compete in it and for the uh, staff that execute the uh, events themselves and, and figure out what, if any, presence outside those two entities could we have on site uh, safely. And, and then looking at the sports calendar and working with our uh, friends at the PGA Tour uh, and, and figuring out where could we slide in our events based on a revised schedule that they had to execute as well. Uh, given the fact that they were also impacted and golf shut down uh, back in March. Uh, that's where we landed on September for the U.S. Open. And then we did the same thing with the LPGA. As, uh, they had uh, stopped uh, their tour events as well, and we had to uh, figure out what was the right um, timing to conduct the championship that's ongoing this week, and we aligned on December. So something that um, I think it was a win-win in terms of being able to bring the major championships back in golf. Uh, with uh, the men's open and women's open, something that I know the players look forward to, that the fans look forward to. And uh, it was done in collaboration uh, with the other golf properties to ensure that we had a seamless and the best possible schedule that we can present to fans. Uh, Shaka, I'll bring you in, in just a moment. Just one general golf question, one more for you, Navin. Did, did you all ever consider the idea, because many sports did a bubble, that, did you ever consider that that's how – your events, especially with how many players were coming from so many different places in the world, that that's how that would have to function? I would say all options were considered. I think we have to keep in mind what makes golf unique is the fact that uh, the players themselves are, you know, they're their one-man team. They're individuals, and they're traveling week to week to different locations. And that's part of what the pause allowed us to figure out is, how to do so effectively, how to actually receive players coming from other locations, uh, playing in other events, other tours, and in our case, not just the PGA Tour in the United States, but the European Tour uh, and also the Asian Tour and other um, golf properties around the world from a men's perspective. Yeah, the LPGA uh, being the number one uh, far and away uh, tour for women it has a very global following and global participation, so a, a little more seamless in terms of moving those players. But, but nonetheless, uh, yes, uh, we did consider all options, but we were able to uh, figure out a way to execute where players could travel in and do so safely, and that involves uh, rigorous testing, protocols in advance uh, of coming to the event, uh, making sure that we have those um, negative tests when someone comes on site, and then ensuring that we're uh, following appropriate social distance protocols and wearing masks where possible to ensure the safety of players and safety of those that are there executing the event. Okay, uh, let's get into the tech part of this for a moment. And, and Shaka, just a generalized question for you. Sports shut down around the world. Your platform builds highlight reels and other types of content. What has the year been like for your company? All right, first of all, thanks for having me, Bram. And uh, uh, yeah, this year has been quite Quite a different thing, quite a challenge. Uh, so you described it, but I'll give another sentence uh, describing what, what it is we do. Our technology identifies each play as it happens and then allows you to compile different plays to video compilations. So you'll have the different types of highlights and you can tailor it to, to the fan preference or to a specific market or whatever you would like. 
different stories that you can that you can tell. So when sports goes on pause, what do you do? So one of the advantages of our system that it doesn't it, we can simulate live with archive content, right? So we took years of years years and years of archive content from our partners, um, you know, uh, uh, inventory, and was we were able to let them leverage that archive as you know something that's going on right now, right? They they did campaigns, marketing campaigns, uh, some of them of simulating as if this classic game from the 90s is just happening now and live tweeting it and all that. And we were able to uh, cut those and, and get those out in simulated real time. That's one example. Um, also keeping fans engaged with, with content that has happened recently and new types of content like uh, 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 animations and graphics that were engaging and looking to the return of sport. So in general, the pause has been challenging. We had to, you know, look uh, and find creative ways to keep uh, value for our partners and for ourselves. But in but looking at the at the year as a whole, um, we we feel like we came out stronger. Um, first of all, we were able to not shrink in size. I think uh, for a sports company, uh, I mean in revenue, uh, I think for a sports company in this year, this is a show of strength. Um, and stability, but also it gave us time to get off the hamster wheel for a second. And being a technology company, gave, uh, we were really able to zoom out and dive into some of the um, infrastructure and improve things towards plans we have for the future, right? Improve our position on the, the core stack of the technology of our code. Uh, we were really able to, to find the time to do things that were always, you know, pushed to the next quarter. Uh, so this year has been challenging, but uh, all in all, it's been, it's been a good year. Um, so we have you two together because there's a partnership between um, the company and the USGA. Can you kind of tell me how that partnership is working? Yes. So uh, our first golf uh, partner was a PGA Tour. Um, and our friend uh, Scott Gutterman at PGA Tour was one of the people that, to introduce us to, to USGA. Um, uh, and Navin and his team were gracious to spend time to see the, see the platform and understand it. And we were able to start working together last year in 2019 uh, with a very succe- successful first, uh, first iteration. And we're doing this this year uh, and um, uh, hopefully keep doing a lot of great things together. Um, and, uh, in general, for golf, this is the system allows you to uh, tailor or mitigate the fire hose of of uh, action that's going on in a, on a golf course. Right? Uh, you have thousands and thousands of shots happening at the same time. You have different streams, the featured groups, featured holes, the broadcast, and as a fan, you might not uh, get everything that you would want. With, uh, with our technology, we're able to clip anything that's shown on the video. And then uh, uh, USGA, with their, with their great app and website, allow the fan to go and really take what they, they want, curate it for themselves, and see any shot that they would want in a very um, easy way and a very approachable way. So it's been it's been great, and uh, we, we have great plans with USGA uh, for the future as well. What's the turnaround time on a clip? How long does it take? Uh, it's, a, it's near real time. Uh, golf is, is a unique challenge. As I said, there are 
uh, around 12,000 shots per round, um, at least in the first rounds. Uh, and only about 5% of those are shown in the broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. Say between six, around 600. So now you get all that data coming in and our, our uh, system needs to identify, all right, this is data that came in, but is not shown on, on any video, so we can't find it. And there's other data that comes in and here's the shot that just happened. And it's also not being broadcast live. Uh, uh, a golf broadcast is, is you know, we're, we're seeing shot after shot, but that last Tiger Woods shot may have happened, you know, two minutes ago. So our system has to really go through the timeline of the video and search for it. So it's, it's, it was a very um, interesting technological challenge, but we were able to do it with, uh, uh, with our partners. And that's a long answer to say, that after the the event happens in the video in the broadcast as you see it, then uh, in a matter of seconds you'll have it in our system, ready to go, and um, also sent out to different locations. It could go automatically to different platforms, not only your own and operated website or app, but also to other outlets as well. So Navin, and, and this is this is one of the things with golf. There's eight million shots, as as it's pointed out there. Um, you have a ton of content. The broadcast only has so much time and space to tell their story and show what they want to show. How do you envision utilizing all of this new content? You brought it up that the broadcast is really focused on a thematic that they're trying to convey um, in a long form fashion to that viewer. And our consumer is more savvy than ever before. The sports consumer consuming on social platforms, consuming on YouTube, uh, consuming via mobile, everyone's mobile first. And they are also, there's also an expectation of timeliness and the ability now to take content in near real time and distribute it to your fans uh, in an easy to consume manner, a snackable manner is really important to us. And over the past couple of years, we have, uh, you know, working uh, in, in this, in this new platform, we've cut over but 1,500 to 2,000 uh, highlights, just unique snippets of strokes, and and use that as the base case of saying, now we've integrated it into our website and app and our scorecard. So fans that follow particular players, they're getting instant highlights of their favorite players. They're getting uh, instant storylines as to who's making a run and making birdies and making eagles, who's made a terrific shot out of a bunker, uh, who's driving the ball, uh, effectively, we're able to tell those stories very quickly and and tell those stories with video rather than with the w- written word. A lot less time to produce, a lot more effective in terms of distribution. So we're getting out our content faster. Uh, we're using automated technology, AI, in order to um, reduce the, uh, the amount of effort required to identify that content and yeah. distribute that content. And it's a great fan experience. And we've had over the past couple of years with just these scorecard highlights, as we call them in particular, just taking strokes and cutting them and integrating them into our scorecard and distributing them via social media and YouTube and our digital platform. We've had over a million and a half views of those uh, scorecard highlights in the past couple of years each year. So visually, it looks like you present it as like, here's Dustin Johnson's scorecard. And, and if I wanted to see how he got Eagle on seven, I could I probably would have seen that in the broadcast. But if I didn't, I could click there and this would automatically take me to how he did it. 
Correct. You could go into the scorecard. You're looking at uh, how did you know Justin got an eagle? I said Justin got an eagle on this par five thirteenth, and there'd be a little icon there that shows that there's video available, and you click on it, and there you'd see a highlight associated with the hole, the score he posted on that hole. So we're getting that granular in terms of going into a scorecard, going into a particular hole, and demonstrating what the player did. So it's giving the fan appreciation for how that player is achieving what he's achieving in terms of uh, facing the championship test against the field, uh, against a stiff challenge in terms of a golf course, and uh, competing effectively. That's allowing us to tell our story. That's the business problem that we, we were looking to solve, and we're able to do so. Um, so I can jump in here. Yeah, just, go ahead. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so we talked about, uh, about the women's championship today. It's actually being played in two courses because the day is shorter, right? Uh, December, the day is short. It's being condensed the first two rounds, so the fire hose just got, uh, you know, uh, the current is even stronger, and there's more uh, things to handle, and the system actually doesn't doesn't mind, so you can still handle it. But I want to tell a story uh, from last year's Women's Open. Uh, uh, so, so the champion uh, Lee Six. So uh, in 2019, we were able, you know, just after the fourth round ended. After she won it, we were able to show every shot from, from the fourth round in a video that got hundreds of thousands of views uh, on YouTube. And that video from, from the previous year, 2018, actually uh, USGA did not have the, the capacity to handle a similar video. So it's a new property that USGA were able to create, highlighting, put, putting a video compilation of every shot from the champion, which really got huge traction. That's just one story and one example of everything that Navin uh, mentioned before. I think I know the answer to this, Navin, but um, you, you have so much content now at your disposal to utilize how you want to use it. Is there a such thing as too much? Do you have to figure out a way to filter some of it down? <laughs> um, let's call it this way, that you always have signal versus noise. I, I think that's a good problem to have. I would say this is because we are um, serving over you know, 120 markets around the world, we have uh, media partners, broadcast partners in all these different countries to tell the story of, of an Italian or German or Indian or Chinese player that's on their quest to fulfill their dream and how they're performing. That's a story that wants to be, you know, people want to follow their countrymen and countrywomen as they're pursuing their dream. And we're able to provide that now in, once again, a very expeditious fashion uh, with uh, minimal, uh, I would say, human intervention because we're using automated technology and rules-based software in order to identify the pieces that we want, to merge them together, and then we're reviewing the content. We may add some voiceovers on it. Uh, we may just put some tops and tails to ensure that it really uh, is polished. Uh, but we have the ability to go as fast as we want. We have the ability to customize as much as we want and ensure that customization is meeting the needs of our partners all around the world. Uh, l listen, everybody is talking about that in your case could be third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh screens because of all the different avenues that you just described and, and the different ways that, um, that you can put your content out. As you all think about the modern fan, the modern viewer and engagement, how do you kind of think about how golf will be presented? Well, I, we have a great foundation based on what we're doing right now of creating long form and short form video on demand content to complement uh, live coverage. Uh, if you think about the modern fan, um, the modern consumer, 
right? The emotional connection that gets created is first and foremost with another human, with the, with the talent, with those that are competing. And the ability to create specific packages and stories around the players themselves and celebrate the players in a unique way, along with the live coverage celebrating the overall championship. Uh, that That's part of the, I'm not say shift, but the complimentary content that fans want. That's the emotional connection that they're looking for. They're looking for folks to root for. Uh, they already have their favorites. How are you satisfying their demand, right? It's a demand-based economy here. And what we're trying to achieve is not just push out the overall story, but push out the customized stories that we know our fans want to engage with. And that's only going to continue to evolve as we uh, continue to survey the marketplace, evaluate how fans are consuming. What we have now is a robust infrastructure that allows us to meet those needs in a pretty expeditious fashion. And Chuck, I'll give you the final. I think that. Go ahead. Sorry, just to to answer that question from my angle. I think that golf uh, is moving forward in huge strides, uh, the same direction, the same trend that we're seeing across sports. And, uh, what Navin described of targeting different markets and uh, putting that VOD in different locations and letting the, the fans uh, get the content, that's, uh, you know, that's top-notch uh, as, as of now. Th- those are things that are happening, and we see that it's great. But I, I would argue that VOD is just uh, the, uh, the step, the space that we are right now. We're going to VOC. Uh, VOT, VOD is on demand, right? You just determine when you're watching the video. VOC, I call it video on command. Uh, that's not just when you're watching. It's what you're watching, on what platform, um, uh, how you're going to watch it, how long it's going to be. So every WH question you you have, you can answer with with, uh, with VOC. And that's where it's going. And uh, it's, it's a matter of, you know, finding the business case for it, right? Uh, designing the business model in a way that's going to uh, – make the pie larger for everybody, but the fans will be uh, the primary beneficiaries of it, of it because they will be able to really choose once you have, you know, seven minutes between meetings, then you want to see a seven minute video of your favorite players and you'll have the access on, on, on whatever app it's going to be to really see all the shots that you can squeeze in in seven minutes, but only from the players you like and only when they hit birdies or over, right? Uh, only uh, when no failures are there, or or if you prefer something else, then you'll be able. So so for Bram and uh, and myself, it will be a completely different type of content that we can demand uh, that we can get. So uh, I I see this is the trend. This is where we're going. Uh, whether it's going to be in two years, three years, or ten years, I think we we can all uh, resonate with the with the feeling that in 2030. Uh, it'll be different, right? People will not tune in for, uh, I don't know, a four-hour broadcast. Um, so so that's where I think it's going. Uh, you know, I just, and and you, you cannot do it. I'm sorry, just one more sentence. You cannot do uh, VOC without automation, without the scale, without the ability to, to associate the content with what the fans requested, how they tailored the app, how they put their filters on and, uh, and whatnot. Shaka Arnott is the GM of WC Sports North America. Navin Singh is the USGA's chief commercial officer. Thank you both for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. On the next Future Sport Podcast, 
betting on events like golf or anything else, it's getting simpler. And when PASPA was repealed about six weeks after we actually formed the company, we decided to focus on U.S. sports, uh, just given the market had opened up. And specifically, we were interested in creating betting opportunities around the moments that drive U.S. sports consumption within uh, the games. It's Joey Levy, co-founder of SimpleBet, where the micro market of gambling is expanding into a macro opportunity. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.